this uh, fall, and it's been a great time. We've taken a little bit of a break recently, and uh, we're going to do so again this week, but we'll be back there in Luke chapter 5, starting in the new year. Uh, actually, Sam will be preaching next week through uh, Jonah chapter 1, if you'd like to read ahead, uh, and then we'll be back in Luke 5 the week after that. So um, today, though, we're going to be doing something that I think is, is beneficial for us. Sorry, I usually come up here and mark my spot quickly, but I didn't today. Um, I think helpful for us as far as like marking time and, and marking the, you know, the, the way we transition from one year to another year. So uh, I will put this way. It's a, you likely probably know different cultures mark the new year with different times in the new year, at different dates in the calendar, at least the way we look at the calendar. Uh, the Chinese New Year on this year is actually going to be on February 5th, later in the year, and the Hindu New Year is going to be on March 7th, and, and Judaism, there's actually four different New Year's that are acknowledged, which was, uh, I found incredibly interesting. Uh, the main one is Rosh Hashanah, uh, which is the most significant, and it's on September 29th, uh, and that's the New Year, as the Jewish people understand it, that it's not from Scripture, but as they understand it from tradition, as that's the yearly mark from when God created the world. Uh, but they also celebrate these three other New Years during the year. One of them just marks the reign of the kings of Israel, uh, is the way they, they keep the New Year. Another one marks the animal sacrifices, which means on, you know, this date comes, and then after that begins the New Year when you need to bring another animal sacrifice. And the last one I found the most interesting, it's, it's oddly specific to just trees. It's the tree's New Year. Um, and the ancient Jews believed that the fruit of a tree should not be eaten until a tree has been around for three years. But instead of marking it from when the individual tree had been planted in the ground, there's a, a date in the early, early spring, I guess late winter you'd call it, that marks the three years of the trees. And so there's the tree new year. Um, so listen, though, um, the markings of time is absolutely arbitrary. For, for all it really matters, we, we could say that New Year's begins when baseball season begins in April. That's the new year, right? It, it doesn't really make much difference. Uh, and yet, no matter how we mark the passing of time, we, we should learn to do so in such a way that helps us to reflect on, on what God has done in the past and, and helps us to look to the future with, with hope uh, and with the desire to, to change where we might need to change. And so uh, I'm going to help us today or try to help us today think about reflecting back on 2018 and help us think about how we, reflect, or how we look forward to 2019, how we might think through that. And so we're going to be looking at various passages as we go through, which is not the way we usually do it, but we're going to be doing that today. Uh, and, and yet I wanted to have one overarching theme verse. And so it's going to be Romans 8.28. Not that we're going to be expounding that today, um, but Romans 8.28 is a way for us to, to really um, put a framework around the 12 months that we've just come out of and the 12 months that are ahead of. So uh, you can just listen. If you're quick to getting over there, you can go ahead and follow along uh, with us. Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So the grass withers, the flower fades. Let us pray. Lord God, here we are at the end of another year. A year that we were not promised. And yet you saw fit to give us. We're also crouched upon the starting line of a new year, a year that has so much potential for our growing in grace, so much hope, and yet we may squander it on worldliness and thoughtlessness. Lord, help us to learn today to, to look back with gratitude at all that you have, uh, you have done for us, 
and to look forward with desires and hopes that, that you will bring our lives more into line with what you desire and thus ultimately what we really desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Adam Dirtz, part-time poet, the front man for the Counting Crows, my favorite band, uh, full confession right there. Uh, he once wrote this in a song. There's a line that says, if, you ever, if you've never stared off into the distance, then your life is a shame. He, he's talking about the way that we, we contemplate life, about reflecting on the past. And the, and the way that he says it is kind of beautiful, especially when put to music. But, but to be honest, who really cares what he has to say? You might have already come to that conclusion, but for someone who's a fan, there's a little different response. But, but who really cares? And I don't mean that to be belittling, but, uh, but to really think through this, that as, as Christians, we build our lives around what God's word, the Holy Scriptures, have to say. Um, and so you might wonder then, why, why quote a, a song like that to begin with? And I'll, I'll tell you, it's because it resonates with what we do read in the Scriptures. Because every time I hear it, it reminds me to reflect on life, uh, this life that God has gifted me with, to reflect on the way that I'm actually living this life. You see, in the, in the scriptures, uh, you think about it, how, how often do we see the downfall of Israel through the years, right? If you watch it, you see them up and down and up and down. And, and their downfalls begin with this failure to remember who God is. This failure to remember what God has been doing in the life of Israel, right? As a nation. Um, Psalm 106 verse 7 is, a, is about one such occasion. And there the, the psalmist is praying to God and he says this. He says, our, our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They, they did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the, at the Red Sea. They failed to remember all the wonderful things that, that, that the Lord had done for them, and thus they forgot about the Lord himself. Just disappeared from memory. In Deuteronomy 4.9, parents are instructed not only to remember what, what they see God doing, but also to tell their children about the things that God has done in the past. Uh, you can listen. It, read, it reads uh, like this. It says, Take care. And keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children, right? Make sure the next generations even remember the things that God has done. Now he's talking specifically about the joys of faithfully following the Lord and also the sorrows that they faced when they were not following the Lord. And they're called to remember the goodness of God in the past, Right? Not, not only just to remember, but to strengthen uh, their faith in the present. Three chapters later in Deuteronomy 8.2, God's people are instructed with these words. He says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Remember those 40 years in the wilderness as they wander. Now, you, you might recall, if you know anything about this story, if not, I'll let you know. Um, they spent most of those 40 years complaining Everything they couldn't stand about the way God was doing this, you know. We should have just stayed back in Egypt and died, they even said at times. All this complaining, and now here the Lord is, after the fact, telling him, look back to that and remember what the Lord did for you during that time. There's this sense that even though they were complaining in the moment, looking back, they're actually going to be able to see better what the Lord did with, with gratefulness. 
Um, so we tend to read these passages and think, really, they're, they're only remembering the huge major things God did, right? For, for the whole nation. And that's what we see recorded in Scripture here. Uh, Miracle-type things, the, the plagues, the, the splitting of the Red Sea, things of that nature. And so we, we might easily, as Christians, try to apply this and do likewise by, by, by remembering that Jesus sacrificed on the cross for us. And, and we should. That would be a right way. But also remember that God's still working providentially today. And if we don't actively look for the way that he's doing so, we're absolutely going to miss it. If we're not consciously reflecting on our lives and seeing what God's doing, we're going to simply forget the goodness of God. You know, the goodness of God that should be precious to our faith and precious to the faith of those around us. And so, Christians, let us say with the psalmist in Psalm 77, 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Not just the biblical deeds of the Lord, but also what he's done in your life over these last 12 months. Let me give you some ideas here. Uh, maybe today or tomorrow, just take some time to think back on the past year. You know, yes, acknowledge the pains you've suffered. No one's asking you not to do that. That can be good. But, but don't stay there. Don't focus on that. Think about the way that, that God has brought you through the sufferings, brought you through those strugglings, the way that it has strengthened your faith, the way that it might have challenged you to see the world in a different way, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, or, or how he's currently working through that if you haven't come through it yet. Take some time to reflect on the highs and the lows of the years. Reflect on, on how you spent your time and, and how you maybe could have spent that time better. But again, only if you can improve the time in the future. What I mean is don't get stuck looking back where we start to do that what if thing, right? What, what if I had not done this? Or what if I had done this instead? Don't, don't live in regret, but learn from it. Beginning when I was in a elementary school, I'll tell you, my, my father required my brothers and I every year around Christmas time to write what he deemed or called a, a Christmas letter. And to be honest, we hated it. Absolutely hated it. Uh, you know, because really as a, a child, or maybe an adult too, we, we, we knew quite well that not doing something was less effort than doing something. And that's what we wanted to do. Uh, what he wanted us to do was to put down on paper in a, a letter form of some sort, just a reflection of the past year. What did we accomplish? What did we learn? What were the highlights, the lowlights? And, and then we were to write down some specific goals for the coming year. And every, every year he'd tell us that this letter was the only thing he wanted for Christmas, which was, was cheap. Uh, but again, it took some effort to actually do. And, and, and to be honest, we just found the whole process just this cheesy burden. Especially in my high school years, that's the way I looked at it. But for the most part, every year I'd write the letter, and over time I began to see just how beneficial this process was. Uh, it, it marked time better than simply watching a ball drop on television at midnight. You see, this, this time of reflection is, is refreshing in, in, in many ways. Uh, when I was teaching uh, in a Christian high school back in the Kansas City area, I had, I had my students every, every year, right before Christmas time, when you get to those days and you don't actually teach a whole lot, um, I'd have them write a, a letter to themselves or write it to someone else. And 
And the idea was they would actually seal this letter up that was one of these reflections on the past year and thoughts to the future year, uh, and then address it to themselves and the letter would be sealed. And then the following year, uh, almost 12 months later, I would actually hand it back to them. And those that were, uh, were there long enough to get these year after year began to actually find it uh, uh, such a joyful time. They'd be excited to get these letters back. Uh, and, and so I'll, I'll say today, some years I, I still send my dad a Christmas letter, but even when I don't, I do sit down and I process the year uh, using that same format. And I found it incredibly helpful because uh, it, it improves uh, my understanding of what it means, right? Because you have to think about it. What does my life look like living under the reign of our great God? What's it look like? You actually evaluate it. it. For no other reason, it forces us to see how our practices may be out of sync with what we desire them to be as children of God. And, and thus it makes the changes needed to live life better, better according to God's ways, um, easier. I'll give you uh, one more benefit of looking back at what God has done in, in the way that it's just a great encouragement to our faith. You see, as my good friend George Dinas often says, he has this phrase, he says, God's faithfulness to you in the past is both a model and a promise of his faithfulness to you in the future. When we look back and see the way God has brought us through things, our confidence that he can bring us through anything is strengthened. And so that's looking back. I want to spend a little more time looking at what it means to be moving forward, to be looking forward. And so, uh, first of all, to look forward... Um, the way we look forward is a, is a way of, uh, to the new year is a way of looking forward to our, our own death. Now, I know this sounds morbid, but I've heard a few different pastors explain it this way, that uh, the, 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 the new year is this practice run of your own death, right? If you think about it that way. As the days begin to dwindle towards the new year, as the hours run out, we realize that, that at this point, time has run out for me to accomplish the things I thought I was going to accomplish this year. Time has run out for me to make the changes I thought I was going to make this change this year. It's this little microcosm of our life which also will come to an end. And, when we, and we'll be out of time, right, to do and become whatever it is we desired was going to be true of our life. And so it's this little microcosm if you think about it that way. Now, Psalm 90 verse 12 is this prayer and it says, um, it's a prayer to God, and he's saying, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. By thinking about your death, as the clock counts down towards midnight on the 31st, uh, we can truly learn to number our days in the sense of just how short they are. As we be begin each New Year as a, a culture, we used to be as a culture, uh, uh, New Year's resolution-making culture, right? Everyone did it, but, but after we found that these lofty goals just became a big pile of failure, we as a culture began to put a greater emphasis on mocking New Year's resolutions than making New Year's resolutions. Uh, and while personally, I couldn't care less about the term New Year's resolution. It drives me nuts, if I'm honest. Uh, we, we certainly do see in the scriptures this encouragement to think about how we're living and how we can make plans to make adjustments to the way we're living. Let me, let me point you somewhere. Um, the book of Haggai. We don't read that very often. It's near the very end of the Old Testament. But uh, if you just want to listen, you can do that. There, the, the prophet, that's Haggai, brings the word of God to the people of God. And he's pointing out to them how, how they've only served themselves. Right? He's pointing backwards to the way they've been living. And he's pointing to the way that they've been discontent in absolutely everything. He, he tells them, you built nice houses for yourself. But you haven't cared that God's temple 
lays in ruins. He tells him, you've had a lot of food and clothing and drink. You've, you've had this and it's always not enough for you. Always complaining that it's not enough. And so Haggai tells the people there in Haggai chapter 1 verse 5, he has this, this simple three words. He says, consider your ways. Consider your ways. But we should probably memorize these words of the Lord given to the prophet here. Consider your ways. Con- consider what your priorities have been. You know, this is the, the time of year where he's asked these questions, you know. Where, where is God in that list of priorities? Consider your ways and then consider what your ways could be, should be going forward. We, we, we should make plans for daily and weekly seeking the Lord. Because as D.A. Carson famously said, we do not drift towards holiness. We don't. Most of our lives, though is drifting, or, or to use a biblical word, we, too often we are aimless. That word aimless appears in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, the Apostle Paul there is, is writing and he's comparing the, the Christian life to the life of an athlete who is, is running, right? The training that it takes for that and with, with, with the, the need for self-control. And then he says in verse 26, I do not run aimlessly. I do not run aimlessly. In other words, just like an athlete prepares with a plan, just like the runner runs for a specific goal, you wouldn't start a cross-country meet and just go any direction you want. You shouldn't. But just like that, so too should we as Christians have a plan and aim for how we want to live this day, this year, this life. Remember, uh, John Piper once illustrated how aimless aimlessness is, is like lifelessness. And he used this image of, uh, of leaves out in the yard. Many of you have, uh, this fall, you probably can still see leaves out in your yard, even though they, they've been there for a while now. But he says it like this. He said, dead leaves in the backyard may move around more than anything else, more than the dog, more than the children. The wind blows this way, they go this way. The wind blows that way, they go that way. They tumble, they bounce, they skip, they press against a fence, but they have no aim whatsoever. They are full of motion and empty of life. I think these are the things we we kind of fear as we evaluate our life, but do you ever feel like your days are full of motion but empty of life? Because God did not create us to move through life aimlessly. He created us purposeful, to be purposefully, right? To intentionally aim at something of value and value according to God and His Word. Here are two passages that, that teach us how, that God desires our life to have direction, uh, to have an, an aim or target. Uh, the first is 1 Corinthians 10.31, which says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? Eating, drinking, all to the glory of God. Whatever your plans this year for, for business or career, for health or hobby, for uh, accomplishment of some type, uh, maybe a financial go or growing in grace and, and the way that you, you, you've grown in your love for God. Whatever it is, do it in such a way that our glorious God is glorified. In other words, the aim here specifically is the glory of God no matter what the goal is. And then in Colossians 3.17 we read this. And, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through here. 
Here the aim is, is thankfulness. It's gratitude to the Lord for every accomplish that may, may occur this year in your life. And so then what sort of goals might we have? What, what sort of plans, right? It's one thing to talk wide angle about this stuff, but... Uh, you know, what are you really going to make some of your goals this year? It might be a plan for growing closer to the Lord. You know, how are you going to spend your days, your hours, your time? What are you going to set apart for that? It might be a commitment to make Sunday worship with God's people a bigger priority in your life. Or to read a great Christian book or to spend time in, in God's word and, and prayer each morning or, or some other time of the day if, if that's not your best time. I, I do believe that time in Scripture should be included for all of us, right? Every one of us as, as followers of the Lord. Uh, always remembering, though, right, that, that we push ourselves to be in God's Word, not to earn God's love, but to learn of God's great love for us. You might include spending more time getting to know your neighbors or um, your brothers and sisters in this covenant community here. You, you could have a specific goal like to complain less or to be more encouraging to others. Something really specific you've seen in Scripture. Just, just to get your brain flowing, I'll, I'll share two ways that our, our family, like that we have a number of individual things, but uh, that our family is seeking to recalibrate this year. And the first one is this, or arises from a deficiency we've seen. In years past, um, when we first got here in particular, our, our family was uh, more involved in serving the community, the food pantry, the community meals. Uh, but in the, the last year or two, that's just not been true, if I'm honest. Um, and so one of our goals is to find ways to serve the community with our children, to get more involved in that sort of thing. Uh, another one is the way that we practice Sabbath, right? The Sabbath is this, this gift of God for, for our rest, for our refreshment. But if I'm honest, honest, we don't do a good job of that as a family. Um, we don't do a good job of setting apart that way. We've not rested well this year. Uh, and, and we're going to put some of that into to practice. Now, again, this is the idea of setting a goal, right? The, the general goal is, is learn how to, to set the Sabbath apart and find rest. The specifics are going to be a bunch of trial and errors. Um, so that's one way to have these, these big angle things and try to figure it out. Uh, your, your personal plan may include exercise and eating plans. Most people's do, right? The New Year's, that's when we're all going to lose the weight we put on the month before. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, after all, we are dichotomy, right? We, that's the way we are created. In other words, when, when God created uh, humanity, he created us this united body and soul. The two affect each other. Our, our faith affects our physical health and our, how we care for our bodies will, expect our, will affect our spiritual life. So uh, I'll tell you, doing a, uh, a topical sermon like this is not my forte. I, I'm uncomfortable doing something like this. And, and one of the reasons I could honestly go on forever, you start to see like, well, what if we do this and this and this? And we could be here for six hours. So I'm going to try to bring this to a place of where we can close by, by just making a simple request of you here as we come to the end of the year. I, I want to ask you something. I, I want to ask you, I will ask you, to, to write a Christmas letter or whatever in the world you want to call it yourself. To, to write one for your, your mother, your father, maybe, maybe to your spouse. If, if you're up for it, you know, write, write me one. I, I'd love to hear your reflections on the past year. Love to hear the, your hopes for the coming year. You could also just, just write this and, and, and 
file it away in a, a folder or a file somewhere in your house and, and read it a few times throughout the years when you need to just recalibrate and remember what are the things that are important to you. So there are a couple of ways you can do this. I want to give you a little structure for this. You could, you could simply list off five things you're grateful for in 2018. And, and five things you're asking the, the Holy Spirit to empower you to pursue or to make a priority in 2019. Or you could answer uh, some basic questions. Uh, I want to read you some of these. Most of them are from a list that Donald Whitney uh, put together some years ago. And if you like them, you can just listen. I know that if I were you, I'd be trying to write these down as fast as possible. I'll I'll post them on our website later today if you you want to get them there. Um, And and there'll be some more as well, besides the ones I'll read here. But there's there's 25 of them. I know this is a really weird way to to end a sermon, but uh, we're going to read through these just in the hopes that it's going to spur your mind to think about the year past and the year coming up and, and the way that we might live it for the glory of God. Number one, what's one thing you could do this year to increase your enjoyment of God? What's the most humanly impossible thing you will ask God to do this year? What's the single most important thing you could do to improve the quality of your family life this year? In which spiritual discipline, and when I say that, we're talking, you know, prayer, reading, whatever, uh, things of that nature. Which spiritual discipline do you most want to make progress this year? And how will you do it? What is the single biggest time waster in your life? What are you going to do about it this year? Number six, for whose salvation will you pray most fervently this year? Seven, what's the most important way you will, by God's grace, try to make this year different from last year? Number eight, what's one thing you could do to improve your prayer life this year? I guess that assumes that our prayer life could improve, right? Um, number nine, what's the single thing, what single thing that you plan to do this year will matter most in ten years? In eternity. What's one new way you could be a blessing to your church this year? What's the most important decision you need to make this year? What area of your life most needs simplifying? And what's one way you could simplify in that area? What habit would you most like to establish this year? Right? Or or bad habit would you most like to get out of? Number 15, who is the person you most want to encourage this year? What's the single most important thing you could do to improve the quality of your work life this year? What books had the greatest influence on on you this past year, and what books do you plan to read this year? What was the best place you traveled to in 2018, and what do you look forward to this year? Who are you most thankful to God for putting in your life this year? Or who's... Who in your life this year are you most thankful for God putting in your life? Meaning maybe they didn't come in this year, but before. 20, have you learned anything significant either through teaching or experience this year? What's one thing, uh, what one thing do you most regret, regret about last year and what will you do about it this year? What goals seem silly but are still goals this year? Uh, 23, in what area of your life do you most need to make change this year? 24, in what area of your life do you need more of God's wisdom? And one last one, uh, what would it take, that's a good one, what would it take for you to be satisfied each day with God's unfailing love for you?
You've got to expound these, right? I mean, even that, that last one, you think through. Do you wake up in the morning and are you satisfied in God's love for you? And if not, why? What, what might it take? And, and again, I'll post all those on our website when I get home today. Um, so let's, let's close by hearing this promise of God to us. In Philippians 1.6, Paul there is writing, the Apostle Paul, and he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, writing the Scripture, and he writes this. He says, I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Mighty God, thank you again for the gift of 2018. Thank you for life. Thank you for Jesus through whom we have eternal life. I ask that you'd give us a, a renewed sense of gratefulness to you as we think back on this past year. As we reflect on it. We ask you to give us wisdom as we consider changes that we desire to make this coming year. Changes that would uh, better situate our life to, to be used for your glory, for your kingdom. To put us in submission to, to your word and, and you as our, our king who reigns. God, would you be glorified in all that we are and all that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.